Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, Mackie and Jeb with Rami listeners. We're asking you to help us improve the listener experience of this show, whether it's segments, advertisements you hear, you name it, by going to scorenorth.com, keyword MJR, and filling out a quick survey. You can help make the show better. Please help us cater this show and the ads to what you want. Scorenorth.com, keyword MJR. And if you fill it out, Judd will give you an awkward bro hug next time he sees you, I promise. Tighten some of my trousers. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. All right, welcome in. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. And uh, you guys already looked at me sideways when I told you what I wanted to bring up in the first segment here. Rami's words were, what? No. <laughs> yeah, Rami, That's a direct quote. I did not look at, at you weird him. at all. I, you, you walked away, and I just said, he's disturbed. Don't worry about it. I told Rami, don't worry. It's going to be okay. You're I mean, going to explain this. We're going to help you out. We're all going to get through this like we do every day, four to six. Okay, if I'm if I'm disturbed, I don't think it has to be because of what I'm about to bring up regarding no, the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's can't, a symptom of why you're disturbed. Can't the, can't these be two separate things? Can't can't I be disturbed or not, and also have the opinion that I'm about to throw you, off? You can, but that's not the case. Carry on. Okay. This is. <laughs> I know Jonathan's going to look at me sideways with this, too. This is, tonight, Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh-huh. They tip off their season. Okay. This is top four most excited top I've ever been four. for a wolf season to start. Top okay, then. four. That's a bit odd. Like, I know the history of the Wolves. Yeah. It's not great. I get it. 30 years, mostly of misery. <laughs> I get it. 30 years and one playoff series win. But there haven't been four two, two, seasons sorry, two, two. where going in, going in. Like, not in retrospect, not in hindsight. Mm -hmm. We're going in. Yes. There haven't been four more seasons that you were more excited about than this? Yes. And and allow me to explain here. Uh, Please do. I'm not going to explain. I'm going to let that sit there. (laughs) I'm waiting. See you, Phil. I am waiting for your explanation. Please. First of all, the order in which, if if I go back in uh, my life watching the Timberwolves, the first time I was ever truly excited for a Timberwolves season was the KG Spree Sam Cassell year, where KG, it had been seven first round exits in a row, and they just like the the best sidekick they put with KG for 10 years almost, it was like six or seven years, something like that, was probably Wally Zerbiak, right? Wally Zerbiak was like Great KG's hair. best sidekick. Wait, you never. Mar- like, I know, Marbury for five minutes. I was going to say, I know it ended bad, but there was never any point where you were excited about Marbury Garnett. Um, I was, I think I was, I was like nine years old when those guys got paired or 10 years old. 
So Marbury was ninety six, right? So I was like ten years old. Yeah. Part of it might have been age. You could we could split hairs there, but I remember the because once Marbury got dealt, right. it was like keep okay. going. I still want to hear this. All right, KG Spree and and Sam was number one. Mm-hmm. Love the Love Rubio season where they were both. Mm-hmm. We were bright eyed here. We thought this is Rick Adelman was the coach, and this is the pairing that's going to carry the Wolves. Uh, the Jimmy Butler season, I will admit that thing train wrecked. But when Jimmy Butler came along. It's top three most excited I've ever been. And this is number four because I love it. This is my reason. I love it when Minnesota sports teams catch up with the times. And the Minnesota Timberwolves, even though they're going to miss a ton of threes, they're going to lay bricks, they will not make the playoffs in all likelihood unless multiple Western Conference superstars tear their ACLs. The Timberwolves are running out a modern, strategic product, organization, and superstar in Carl Anthony Towns. And I, I'm excited to watch that play out starting tonight. So outside of Towns, and maybe, Andrew, you really don't care about the players themselves, the people. Uh, a you, Kogi? You care about oh, the... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, but I'm saying... Jerk Culver? A but, Kogi, I, Culver, but your excitement... Covington? But your real excitement, Covington, is going to be a really good player for a, diff, a different team at some point here. Um <laughs> What you're telling us is you're excited about philosophy. Yes. Like schematics. Yes. Which I get. I understand that. I I, I understand that you're happy they're moving in the right direction, but like for it to be a top five most exciting start of a season, I Can I stop you for one second? Please. Go ahead. Okay. I hate to say this because Phil is disturbed. Oh, no. But this. I'm in the room, by the way. No. No. I'm going to tell you. Judge talking about me to I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you right. No, I'm going to interpret. I hate to say this because it's goofy, but welcome to the state of the Timberwolves franchise, to where the <laughs> okay. where the philosophical direction of the team actually engages people. This is how bad things have been. I thought you were about to say, but I agree with him, and I'm glad you didn't go there. I'm very curious, to be honest. Curious, I'm is not. The right word. I'm curious. not excited. There we go. But I know what he's saying. It really has been that bad. Yeah, like it sounds. It sounds stupid to say that. Yeah, I mean, like to, to judge point, it's been thirty years, and the fact that you could even sort of debate like a regime change and a philosophical change being one of the most exciting things that's happened in thirty years of Wolves basketball. I mean, that's that in itself speaks volumes. But You're right. if you look too, there's a couple recent examples, and, and, and maybe I'm forgetting here timeline wise, but the last two major shakeups here in the Twin Cities, where an organization had some sort of, like in the in the Twins case, they were stale, they were outdated. In the Gopher football case, they were uh, they were just forced to make a change because Jerry Kill, uh, just with, with health reasons, couldn't continue. The two recent examples of organizations in the Twin Cities saying, all right, we're going to go forward with the modern way of doing things. The Twins said, all right, we're going to get a modern front office, we're going to have forward-thinking strategies, we're going to beef up our analytics, and it's been very fruitful. A hundred wins. And another drubbing by the Yankees, but 100 wins and, and back to the playoffs for the first time. But they caught up. It's in, yep. in many ways, they did catch up. And they're all set up now for the next five or ten years if they play their card right, right? The Gopher football team. The Gopher football team looked around and said, all right, what's what's trending around college football right now? How do we catch up with the times? And they said, we got to get a youthful, energetic coach that connects with 18-year-olds and somebody who knows offense. Because if you can't score points and throw the ball and cultivate NFL players on offense, then you're not going anywhere. Well, P.J. Fleck has started to do that, and now the Gophers are 17th in the AP poll, and they're going to beat Maryland this weekend to move up into the top 15. So I think we have a couple really interesting recent examples of an organization does some reflecting, 
They go back to the drawing board and they say, all right, this is the modern way of doing things. Let's push forward. It's working for the Twins. It's working for the Gophers. And I think it's going to work for the Timberwolves, too. And that's why I'm excited. I think it could work also. We're on the same page there. I'm, and I'm glad they're moving in this direction. We're on the same page there. Just for, for what I was about to say before Judd correctly stopped me and interrupted was that. <laughs> tried to explain. <laughs> tried to explain things, but it doesn't change my take at all. I need some expectations for it to be a top five most exciting start of a season uh, for me. Uh, top four. Top four. I was being generous. I was giving you a little bit of leeway. No, I'm in on the, I'm in, I'm in on the four. It has to, I need, like, I could understand in the first season of the Gerson Rosas regime, where there are some expectations where you expect them to take that step into being like a playoff contender, I, I could understand that being top four, right. since you're well, making me say top four. I could understand that. You don't have to. <laughs> but not not now, man. No. Well, it's, how, much, uh, how much do you guys trust uh, 538.com and projections? Until the Trump thing, a lot. <laughs> Thank well, you. no, but I mean, they were after that. I'm ba- they, I bailed on him. I think they were more right on on who was going to win the election than anyone else. They gave him more of a chance than anyone else did. They gave him a thirty percent chance. Yeah, they were the least of the fake news in 2016. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fact <laughs> because 538.com. They just had their NBA projections, their playoff percentage chances. Okay, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and this was just tweeted up by our own uh, social media Seth on the Scornth account. The Minnesota Timberwolves, according to 538.com, have a 53% chance to make the playoffs in the Western Conference. 53% chance. New philosophy. They're going to shoot threes. Who's that above? Andrew Wiggins is going to limit the long twos. Carl Anthony Towns is going to score 30 points a game in all likelihood because they're going to actually cater the offensive strategy around him. What a shocking revelation. Tom Thibodeau, by the way, like couldn't figure that out in his three years here. Fifty-three percent chance to make the playoffs. That means it's likely. Who's below More them? More likely that than means not. It's downright. Let me likely. find. Let me find the full projections here. I'm just looking at, at the in, one graphic. I'd be curious in the Western Conference who's below them. Okay. Well, let me find it real quick. The here. West could be good. So you guys are telling me that. So I, I get that I am the most sprint to a TV and watch the you know the first half of the first game in the room here. I get that. Oh, but, I'll be there. But what? Okay. What? What? What is your level Out of, of curiosity? Okay. Like to look at shot charts after the game and check about five guys' stats in the box score. Like that, there are about five guys on this roster who I actually care about in terms of their performance and their development. The rest probably won't be here when things actually matter. Okay. Uh, he, he, here's the the projections, by the way, in the Western Conference according to five thirty eight. Uh, the Rockets have a 98% chance to make the playoffs. The Nuggets have a 94% chance. Clippers, 92%. That's actually pretty low, I think. I think a lot of people have the Clippers as the best team in the NBA. And to, in, in a league in which more than half the league gets to the playoffs, to only have a 92% chance to get to the playoffs is pretty funny. Mm-hmm. So that's three. Uh, the Jazz, 86%. Warriors, 77%, because Clay Thompson likely is not playing all year, and they lost Kevin Durant. Lakers, 70%. Mavericks, 58%. Timberwolves, 53%. Okay. Putting them in the 8th seed, seed, according yeah. to 538.com. That would be uh, Ryan Saunders, Coach of the Year votes right there. Yeah, just saying. Just saying. I just Votes? Uh, he's the coach of the... going to walk away with yes. it? Yes. Coach of the Decade? Is that what away with it. Coach of the Jackson Award? Yes. The Zen, the zen of uh, no, Ryan Saunders It becomes Saunders the award? Ryan Saunders Award. Hey, it'd be impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm glad you're excited. Downright shocking. Okay. I'm glad. No, I'm serious. 
I'm being sincere as I could possibly be. I feel like <laughs> I could possibly be. I'm glad you're excited. <laughs> I think we have. I feel like it's we have a good qualifier. In, insincere Judd making another appearance. <laughs> no, on I'm trying to be as sincere as I can be. That'd be cool, man. I'd like to, to see that again. You can find Matthew Collar on 1500ESPN.com, the Purple Podcast, and also now Saturday Sports Talk. Yes, you 10 guys, to uh, noon with uh, with me. Lots of fun, Matthew. Lots of fun. <laughs> Insincere Chet is back. Well, well, wow. I'm just I'm trying my best, okay? Wow. It's not that I'm that was super it's not that insincere. I mean to be insincere. It's wow. just how I sort of feel sometimes. That's, that's why this, this last dude. one again. It's been a while since we played this one. So. You can find Matthew Collar on 1500ESPN.com, the Purple Podcast, and also now Saturday Sports Talk. Yes, you 10 guys, to uh, noon with, uh, with me. Lots of fun, Matthew. Lots of fun. <laughs> And it wasn't what lasted. It was lots of fun. It was a grand old time, Rami. Sounds like you were real happy to be working on a Saturday. It was so pumped. Grand old time is what I would call it. (laughs) Don't try and don't try and step on my mojo, Rami. My mojo is high. Why were you doing a Saturday show? Oh, long story. Okay. Actually, Judd has been doing a Saturday show up until recently, since like 2010 here. Really? I started... uh, Him and Royce? With a company, with Patrick, yep. And then I I did it. Then Patrick left after the Super Bowl. So you were doing six days a week? Yeah. Well, seven during Viking season. During Viking season, it was seven days a week. Oh, no. Lots of fun. No wonder. No wonder, lots of fun, Ron. No wonder you lots sounded like that. Lots of fun. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, if you're, are you, you tweet at us at Phil Mackey at Jay Zolgad at Rami is tweeting at Score North. Are you excited for the Timberwolves season? Are you like me and that you're looking at this as finally the Wolves have gotten it right from a front office perspective, from a strategic perspective, Carl Anthony Towns, or are you more in wait and see mode like Judd and Rami are? Just uh, send us a tweet. We'll talk to Jason Stark from the World Series, and later on, we're going to do something that we haven't done yet on the show in 2019. We have listener survey results, and we're going to go through the things you don't like about the Mackie and Judd with Rami show. (laughs) I cannot wait. Can we take an over-under on how many people hate my laugh? That's the complaint I get more than any complaint. (laughs) Out of house phone calls don't come in anymore. <laughs> yeah, they don't listen anymore. <laughs> they just stop listening. <laughs> right. right. When you first started, there was a couple of those. Calls. I'm sure. I I get that a lot. Yeah. We'll Sorry say, for being happy. We'll say. That's what I said to them. <laughs> yeah, Sorry, we're having fun, guys. Rami was having was lots us. of fun, weren't you, Rami? Lots of fun. Lots of fun. So we'll <laughs> lots lots of fun. And uh, we'll talk about uh, great insurance companies too. Well, let's just do that right now because that's what Federated Mutual Insurance Company is. Federated is a proud sponsor of University of Minnesota Athletics and Turnovers for Kids. Every turnover forced this season by the Gophers defense, and uh, they've had uh, they've had a few in recent weeks playing that crappy Rutgers team. They had a pick six late in the game, and that meant that Federated Insurance donates a thousand dollars to Big Brothers and Big Sisters. It's a very charitable organization, and uh, it's also an organization that will help you as a business owner have that peace of mind you need to properly navigate the ups and the downs and the day-to-day of uh, grinding out your business. Go to federatedinsurance.com to find out more about the industries Federated protects and to find your local Federated marketing representative, Federated Insurance. It's our business to protect yours. Getting a bunch of tweets on this. Mackie and Jeb with Rami, Score North, Score North app. On the uh, the Wolves' excitement that I feel, that you guys don't really feel, but I feel, leading up to game one here, Hal Kimball tweets into the show, cut the brakes, Rami. 
Cut the brakes. Not again. Don't cut the brakes on the twins. Don't co-opt my movement for the for this Wolves team. All right, there no. will be a time. There will be a time to cut the break. Cut the brakes on the Wolves. This is not the time to cut the brakes on the Wolves. <laughs> when will that be, Rami? When do you suppose that's going to be? Two, maybe three years down okay. the line. All right. All right. Uh, let's see. Other people. Uh, there's a few people if that fully Andrew, agree if, with me. If Andrew Wiggins takes a big step this year, maybe next season we can cut the brakes on on the on the Wolves bus and come up with a clever name for it. See, here's the other thing that I'm intrigued by this season. I don't think like Wiggins. We'll see what happens with him. I feel like these guys like they almost landed D'Angelo Russell by moving pieces around. They're going to swing for a big trade oh, at yeah. some point. I believe, th- I believe that's that on too. the table this year. I believe that too. Mm-hmm. Just trying to figure out, like, what's the second piece that they could add to this roster, and how will they, you know, I feel like there's so many times when you're watching the Terry Ryan front office with the Twins or the Tom Thibodeau front office, and you just know that they're not being creative. It's just, eh, well, this this would require a three-way deal of some kind that just requires too much thinking, so... (laughs) Screw it. <laughs> well, other teams are making lever moves. But. Tom Thibodeau's too busy yeah. installing ancient offenses <laughs> yes. to worry about your three-way trade. Right. <laughs> All right. Let's, with Jimmy Butler. Uh, let's get to our guy here, Jason Stark, The Athletic and MLB Network. And last night, that's about as shell-shocked as you're going to see Garrett Cole in uh, 2019. But I suppose it was bound to happen at some point, right? <laughs> well, nobody goes undefeated forever. But five months is pretty close. And I wrote about this last night. In the entire live ball era, there had never been a starting pitcher who kept taking his turn and went five months without losing. So he began to think, this guy is like the human shield. (laughs) You know, it's guaranteed win night until it's not, right? Yeah. Have have we, uh, in your mind, Jason, have we ever seen – a time period with this many good, not just young, but really young players, too. Soto's fantastic, but that entire list now, that that young crop to me is just so talented and so good. This whole group of 20, 21, 22-year-olds. Kids, kids. I'm with you. I mean, like I I go back and forth, for example, right now on who would I buy stock in, Cunha or Soto? And I, I keep thinking it's a Cunha when I'm watching him, but then I watch Soto for a week and a half, and I think it's got to be him. Such a gifted hitter. Just a Cunha does more things. Um, what a like what a fun debate you could have between those two and this whole group. Were you surprised that Soto was so poised and so ready for the World Series being 20 years old? It's all we've seen. Oh, we've seen from this guy. Uh, you know, I, I looked some stuff up about him today. Uh, back-to-back seasons with a 400 on-base percentage and a 500 slug percentage at age 19 and 20. You know how many players have ever done that before him? None. None. Uh, and you just watch the at-bats that he takes one after another after another. Do you know... He's got the best walk rate before age 21 in the history of baseball. Better wow. than Ted Williams. It's amazing to watch this guy. He's just so gifted. Holy cow, uh, Jason! How many Hall of Fame? How many future Hall of Famers do you think we're watching in this series? Yeah, it's a, it's a great topic. Right? So Verlander, we think is there, right? Granky, if he's not there, is really close to there. 
then uh, Scherzer, he, he's got to be there, doesn't he? He's like, he's, uh, that just every year is as great as the one before it. So we have all of those guys. Uh, I would think if you look at the list of players who have done what Juan Soto has done at his age, um, he's on a track. He's got a long way to go, but he's on the track. I think it's probably a stretch for Strasburg, but not impossible because it's like he's he's just taken it to a different level now this last year, year and a half. Um, then the Astros, Alex Bregman, would you rule it out? No. Carlos Correa, given how good he was, how young he is, would you rule it out? Altuve. I, I don't know. I don't know where to start. Altuve, I think, is gonna he's gonna he's gonna be a Hall of Famer. Um, Wow. It's a really fun question. It's like six or it's seven. We're like, wow. It's like six or seven guys who are probably going to be Hall of Fame on. That's ridiculous. Wow. Uh, yeah, this is, I mean, just the star-studded nature of the, these two teams makes it really fun. And, and guys who love to play, too. With the, Ross being named, or he's going to be named manager of the Cubs, Jason, in the next couple of days here, how... Are we now to a point where where um, previous experience is almost a, a non-factor? I mean, Baldelli here, Ross in Chicago, Aaron Boone got it, got that job. Uh, it just seems like the premium now is put on on age, relationships, and you know we we always used to see recycled guys get jobs and things like that, and that seems to almost now be completely gone. Well, Joe, I mean, Joe Madden just got a job. Uh, the Phillies are going to hire either Joe Girardi or Buck Showalter, so that'll be a second job because of somebody who's done it before. And maybe if Buck gets a job in Philly, then Joe Girardi gets the job with the Mets. So it's, we're going to see two or three of these jobs be filled by men, men who have been there and done it and have proved that they're But it's hard to miss what you're talking about now. Uh, if you go back now, the last three off-seasons, by the time the smoke clears, more than half of these jobs will have gone to someone who has never managed before. And I you know, I don't think that's a good thing, but it really speaks to the way the game is trending. We're, we're getting away from managers and we're trending to middle managers. Do you think that that's because of the analytics era and the fact that managing now is more is more managing personalities and managing a a clubhouse? So getting somebody who's not too far removed from the game as a player makes sense when you look at it like that, doesn't it? Yeah, and uh, you know there was a time when this is not that long ago, like even this decade when. Joe Torrey was still managing, Bobby Cox was still managing, and Tony Vermusso was still managing, and Dusty Baker was still managing, and Jim Leland. These were guys who ruled over their team, over their clubhouse, uh, like it was their kingdom. Those days are fast receding in the background. Mike Sosa is another one. And you know, I wrote a piece about this a year or so ago and quoted an assistant GM who said to me, you know, it's really hard come down into the manager's office before a game say to somebody like Buck Showalter or Mike Social, here's how we'd like to see the game run tonight. And that's a quote I can't get out of my head because I think more of that 
scripting goes on now than has ever gone on in the history of baseball. And, that, you know, they like to use the word collaborative. And, all right, I, I mean, you can say there's some collaboration, but how much are these managers even allowed to veer off script? Yeah. And let me tell you something. The game still veer off script. Yeah. Yeah. So, Jason Stark, we know that you're crunched for time, and uh, and you're out there covering the World Series, and we and we did not expect you to bring trivia to the table. So, what we did was we planned ahead, and we want to wrap this interview by giving you a trivia question. We are going to try and stump you. Are you ready? I'm not. <laughs> well, consider this payback then, Jason. Yeah, uh, you guys are evil. All right, all right. Here we go. Jason Stark from the Athletic and MLB Network. David Ross, as Judd mentioned, is the new manager of the Chicago Cubs, and people might remember, especially Rami, he hit a huge home run in Game Seven of the World Series a few years ago. Uh, at the time, he gave the Cubs some cushion that they really needed <laughs> later in the game. So David Ross is one of only five catchers to homer in Game 7 of a World Series since 1950. Who are the other four, Jason? They got me. <laughs> this is real payback. Wow. Come on, you're a Hall of Fame baseball writer. Come on. Uh, Yogi, Yogi Berra. Wow. Okay. He, did, he, he actually homered twice in Game 7 of the 56 World Series. Yeah. Okay. Uh, um, I gotta think about game sevens now, right? Um, yeah. uh, you want a hint? Give him a hint, Phil. All right, I'll give you a hint. Yeah, give me some hints. All, n- none of them happened after 1990. Okay. Uh, Tim Wander? <laughs> 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 Harry Steinbach? Nope, nope, nope. Twins connection. There are no. I don't think there's a twins connection. We'll give you. Uh, we'll give you one more shot in the dark guess. Uh, um, it was eighty fifties to eight. This is, this is an evil question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the middle of national sleep deprivation. Nineteen eighty six. Rich Gedman hit a home run for the Red Sox in Game Seven. Of that World Series, uh, don't remember that. Hal Smith for the Pirates in 1960 against the Yankees, and uh, and apparently <laughs> Del Crandall 1957 and 1958 back to back years for the Milwaukee Braves against the Yankees in Game Sevens. There you go. I remember none of that. <laughs> Just remember that question was arranged by Phil Mackey, Jason. Yeah. Phil, you're evil. I have a lot of really stupid stuff rattling around my brain. I am so proud of that one. <laughs> well, I'm uh, just glad we could uh, we could get one in on you before the end of the season. So. <laughs> okay, you, you, you did owe you did owe me that, and you didn't even play the music. So. No, we did. No, we did. Super, super loud. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, it's loud here in Minute Maid Park. Yep. Well, Jason, enjoy uh, Game 2 of the World Series tonight. And obviously, uh, if you've been listening to Jason all season, uh, you can find his work at theathletic.com slash MLB and on MLB Network and his appearances with us on Mackie and Jeb with Rami, powered by Dale Tondrick's Retirement Playbook, 10 a.m. on Saturdays here on Scornoth. Jason, we'll talk again. Talk to you guys next week, man. See you, man. Thanks, Jason. That is Jason Stark. We'll we'll put a bow on this whole thing next week. That was a really, really tough question. Yeah, that was mean, dude.
That was evil. I thought he you were going to go with, like, give right. me three he, twins he, he who did something. instantly got Yogi Berra right, though. I thought he was just going to start rolling after that. I thought he was just going to reel them all off and make an ass out of us. Del Crandall. Del Crandall was, he coached for a long time. Del Rich, Crandall did? Yeah. Rich Gedman, though. I remember that World Series. That was, uh, was Gedman the, uh, was Red Gedman the, the Red Sox in 86? Yeah. Okay. Red Sox catcher, yeah. Uh, question for you guys off of just sort of watching the rest of the playoffs play out here. So obviously we all hoped that the Twins would do more damage than getting swept by the Yankees. But now that you've watched at least the the championship series in game one of the World Series play out, how would you put the Twins up against what we're seeing with the Nationals here and what we're seeing with the Astros and then even what we saw with the Yankees in that series against the Astros? I mean, it's obviously like you start to stack up the starting pitching the in the series. P- the starting pitching, I keep. And sorry, love love you, Randy Dobnak, but uh, <laughs> you don't fit in that that much. Randy Dobnak, that much. Barrios, I mean, Barrios yeah. is your best pitcher, and now you're going to go against Strasburg and yeah. if you, Scherzer. And if you rank the Brander. starting pitchers in this series, you yeah. got to go five or six deep before you even think about Jose Barrios. Maybe even more than that. And Barrios is good, but he's not Strasburg. This is probably not. a long shot because it's probably now past the point of return for it to happen. But from watching the Astros play here and and the Nats play here as well, you were really hoping that Buxton would be your Soto or your young star. Like Buxton would be that dynamic, always on the field. Just because you watch those guys play and in person, I, I think it's more impressive. Yeah. So that's part of the problem to me is that that's not happening. He's hurt or something's wrong. And man, if you had Buxton, if you had Buxton, let's say hitting 275 out there though, daily, patrolling center, saving runs constantly. That gives you an X factor that you just don't come close to uh, having on a daily basis right now. Yeah, but I think that's that's a trap that fans fall into. They'll watch a World Series and think that's how that's that's how you do it right there. That's the only way to get to where these guys are. You need three stud starters. You need you need a Soto, and that's honestly not that's not the case. That's not true. There are different ways to get there, and we've seen other teams get there in different ways. Does their starting pitching need to be better? Yes, absolutely. I think the Twins lineup, if they can duplicate or come close to what they did this season, is up there with any lineup. I don't care if they have a 19- or 20-year-old dynamo like like a Soto on the team. Just score runs, however you score runs. But I ultimately think that you can do it with an okay starting pitching staff and a really, really good bullpen. It's not the easiest way to get there, but say, it's one way to get there. I think it's really, really tough. Well, what, so what? what's the number one thing? I, I know what my answer is. What's the number one thing you think the Twins should look to steal from either Washington or Houston, realistically? And I'm not talking about... Yeah, because you're you know, not going to put together Verlander, Cole, and Granke. Right. That's not going to happen. But is there a thing that you look at these two teams and say, okay, clearly they've gone much farther than the Twins did, and the Twins should look to steal this concept or this idea or this thing? Because for me... Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm looking at the way that I, I obviously you're not going to get the three headed monster that Houston. Got. I mean, you know, Houston. He, we're looking at probably the best three headed monster in the history of modern baseball when it's all said and done. I mean, th- th- those all three of those guys might be Hall of Famers when it's all said for and done. for the starting stuff. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, but I think the willingness to trade your top five prospects for those guys get one of those right. Yes. Now the, the Nationals. Now they they signed Corbin as a free agent, and wasn't Scherzer a free? Was he a trade or was he a free agent? I thought he was signing? a trade from Detroit. Okay, well, there's another example. Then, are you willing to trade what it takes? Because I think we all know that it's going to be hard to ask the Twins to compete 
for $30, $40 million a year if that's what the price tag is for Garrett Cole when you're talking about bigger revenue organizations. But the Twins can absolutely go toe-to-toe with prospect currency now maybe more than they have since 2010. So are you willing to pull the trigger on a trade that lands you a guy, a Garrett Cole equivalent, that you can put into your starting rotation and be okay with the prospect you gave up blowing up with some other franchise? Totally fine That's what it. I would look to steal. I'm totally fine with it. So game one, you're set, basically. Playoffs. Game one, you're consistently set. If you get that pitcher? Yeah. Oh, my God. If you've got that guy, though, you've got a great chance. Yeah. Every game one, you're confident. Yeah. 651-646-8255. Mackie and Jeb with Rami here on Score North. Joe, you're on the show. Guys, hey, thanks for taking my call and fitting me in. I appreciate it. Um, so I just want to start with this. Admittedly, I'm a Yankees fan. I was born and raised in New York. I do live in Minneapolis now. And and I just want to react to the comment that was made a couple minutes ago about if, if you have an okay pitching staff and a great bullpen, you can use that formula. Well, I'm here to tell you, as <laughs> a Yankees fan, that obviously that didn't work for us. Um, and I don't think Cashman really can move forward in that direction uh, in the future, uh, at least in my opinion. Uh, I'd love to hear what you think about that. And my, my, my other thought I wanted to make sure I got in was that the thing about prospects is is that everybody's so high on their prospects nowadays, and they don't want to treat them. But realistically, if you look at the percentage of these high touted, highly touted prospects that really pan out into superstars, I mean, what is that percentage? I, I want to see it's low. I mean, and when you look at even like a guy like Scherzer, Scherzer's on his second team now, and finally in that, in, well, not finally, I guess he's been there for a little while, but, I mean, Garrett Cole is a pirate, right? And, and now he's the talk of the nation, but, you know, he's been around for a while. So I, prospects are great, but they're not number one starters. And they take time to develop, they take their own. Sometimes yep. it doesn't happen, so you get to a different organization. Joe, thank you for calling. We're, we're losing you just a little bit there. Off the Garrett Cole thing, you know, this this is something, too, that I think I would look to steal if I'm the Twins. Garrett Cole, I believe, was the number one overall pick, right? Was he? I think he was the number one overall pick. Maybe we can look that up real quick. I know he was a high draft pick. Mm-hmm. I would be looking for guys like that. Are there players around the league? This uh, Gray, uh, is it J- Jonathan Gray? He's been in the National League for a while. I'd be looking for high-end talent that hasn't maxed out because they've just been in the wrong situation. And they brought it up on the broadcast a bunch of times last night. John Smoltz was great early in the game. Now, obviously, Garrett Cole did get touched up for uh, for five runs, but he said, these Washington hitters have faced Garrett Cole a lot because he was a National League pitcher. They faced him when he was with the Pirates, but this ain't the same Garrett Cole. He's a much different pitcher because Houston got their mitts on him. And I, that's what I would look I mean, if the, if the Twins are really in that Houston category or close to it, in terms of being able to squeeze extra toothpaste out of the tube, go find guys who are like the number five overall pick, and they're in a crappy organization and situation, and they're just underperforming, and and, and make a trade by low on. I don't guys mind like a reclamation that. project, but he's he's a Yankees fan, and saying you know we, it didn't work for us this year with the bullpen. A just because it didn't work this time doesn't mean that it can work for another team or the Yankees in the future. But also, if you're a Yankees fan, you can hope that you do put together a Cole, Verlander, Granky-type rotation because you go not, you can go out and buy one of those. Or you have the luxury of, if you do trade away a prospect, you can always make up for that later in free agency or by tearing things down like they kind of did a few years ago and, and recouping those prospects. The Yankees have more resources and more margin for error in doing that. The Twins are not going to be able to put together a 1-2-3 like that unless they draft really well 
and do what Phil is talking about, which is find a reclamation project like a Garrett Cole. By the way, Garrett Cole was the number one overall pick, and the guy I'm thinking of, John Gray, with the Rockies, perfect, perfect example of guy. He was the number three overall pick, and two years ago had a 5.12 ERA in 2018. Last year he had injury issues, but a 3.84 ERA. Like, do you think the Rockies know what they're doing with this guy? Probably not. Number three overall pick. He throws. You know, I, this that's the type of guy I would right, look for. If you can find that guy, yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think the starting point would be if I'm them, I go out and I say, let's identify what we consider to be a true ace. So it goes that guy, Barrios, right? Because if Odo comes back, that's fine. But if he's your three now, it, oh, might, it might not absolutely be the most perfect thing, but it gives you a chance. And then the second thing is guess what, gentlemen? You got to hit in the playoffs. Yeah. I, I mean, that's a very simple. You can't go from home run record. This is unbelievable. And I know the baseballs were changed. I get all that. But nonetheless, if I'm not mistaken, in that first round, every series but one went the max, right? Yes. So, you know, at least at least get yourself to five games. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, you have permission to hit a three-run homer in a situation. When the bases are loaded and nobody's out, like you have permission I, to score a run. But I do, I do believe that, that if you had Buxton able to play consistently and maxing out his capabilities... It's a huge difference because he's saving runs and he is a dynamic player. And again, he is difficult to deal with. Yeah. Mackie and Jeb with Rami. Score North. Score North app. And by the way, our twin show is still in full effect. I know Rami and Derek have an episode that came out on Monday. And uh, we're going to pump out another one tomorrow. Sort of a hot stove. We're going we're gonna to get into the habit starting ASAP here of, uh, well, we already started it last week. But we're going to continue uh, throughout the month of October and November and jump on this hot stove stuff. There's pictures we've thrown out the last few weeks. Uh, Derek's doing three episodes a week, so you can find I got the trades, Scorner man. Twin Show. I got trades to make. Dude, hop on. Uh, excellent. Pull Derek aside this week I'm making and say, some blockbusters let's do too. a podcast I'm surprising episode. people, infuriating fans, turning I, things upside down. I think I just talked myself into trading for John Gray in that segment. That's the type of thing that's, that, you know what? It's smart. And they'll do that, I think. I kind of like that idea. John Gray, man. Yeah. But these guys would, that's the type of trade that I think. Now, my only question is this, and it goes back to your point, Phil. How willing are you and and how willing is this executive staff to part with their top prospects? And does that change from the deadline to, let's say, December 4th? I think we're going to find out this offseason. I really do. I think, I don't think they thought the window was as open, even though they were winning 100 games, as the public thought. I think they said all the right things, but it was pretty obvious. They looked at this and said, this is great, but with injuries to Buxton and we're just not, we're not as there as maybe fans think, but they are now. I was going to say, you've so, got to think that this winter, correct? Yes. There's no way that you can look at this roster and the construction of things and be like, ah, 2022 is sure going to be great. Yeah. So we'll see. And I think free agency opens up technically like a week after the World Series ends. So yeah. free agency could open up in like 10 days. Yeah, now, some guys don't sign until <laughs> June. Be yeah, and there won't ever. be any major yeah. signings until March. Yeah. Yeah. Ridiculous. Because so ba- baseball's so much fun. God, they got to fix that. <sighs> Can you imagine if baseball was was just like the NBA and NFL, where like you woke up one morning and right, the next this. 48 hours, all these dudes are signing. We've talked about Cole. this. It'd be fantastic. But they wake up and they wait six months because Scott Boris needs... To negotiate, apparently. He's putting together his binders. Sharpen that pencil. I think I think it's agents trying to outdo each other. Like, no, I'll get my guy the bigger deal. That's yeah. what I heard was happening last year with Machado and Harper. Yeah. Like, it's both ridiculous. of them were just sitting back and waiting for the other to sign the deal so they could say, I got him the bigger deal. 
which is crazy that so agents are, are holding that kind of power and sway over the sport. Yeah. So Mackie and Jeb with Rami, we're going to be all over this, and uh, obviously we love some reckless speculation on this show. We're going to come back, and uh, we have, late last week, we floated on our podcast. You, Some of you clearly have filled this out. We put out a Mackie and Jeb with Rami listener survey, which you can fill out at scorenorth.com, keyword MJR. And when we come back, we want to read, there's a section in the survey that says, what's your least favorite part of the show? And uh, so we're going to have a little show accountability session when we come back here. And uh, later on, we'll preview the Wolf season with Danny Cunningham and get to in other news. But let's talk about these TCL TVs that are hanging out here in the studio. TCL is America's fastest growing TV brand. And uh, we're going to watch the Wolves on one of these TCL TVs tonight, at least the first half of it, uh, after the show's over here. TCL has 5,000-plus streaming channels with the built-in Roku device. You just get the best combination of picture quality, price, and uh, connected options. It's been fun seeing people keep doing this, by the way. uh, People who've been tweeting in photos of their TCL TVs saying, hey... I went TV shopping and I listened to Mackie and Jeb with Rami and you, uh, you clowns have TCL just hammered into my head. So a, uh, you're welcome. And B, are we all clowns? I thought that was Judd's that's title. just Judd. Actually, okay. yeah, just leave me Judd alone. The I'm the chief yeah. media clown. So I keep sending us those photos. Tweet them at uh, at Phil Mackie, and uh, we can we can see what the TCL TV looks like in your living room or wherever you decide to set it up. Send Mer- us a picture of your TV with a clown on the screen. There you go. Just to show us the color, how the, crisp and the, clear the, the color it is. The clown. Right, exactly. The creepy oh. clown from it. That's what we want to see. Stop into any major local retailer and check out a TCL TV for yourself. Jonathan here with the Score North Download. This one brought to you by Tondrick Financial. It's been 10 years since we all went on a ride with Brett Favre, and we're doing a deep dive into every aspect of that 2009 Viking season. You can join Sage Rosenfels, Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad and Ryan Longwell on Minnesota Sports Rewind, the 2009 Vikings edition on demand right now anywhere you find your favorite podcast or just go to scorenorth.com and click on shows. That's Minnesota Sports Rewind. If you missed it yesterday, Mike Zimmer had this to say about Adam Thielen's possibilities of playing. I will see more tomorrow. You know, he's improving fast, so uh, he's got a chance. Well, they saw more today. They didn't like what they see. They saw, so they are benching him for the game tomorrow against Washington no Adam Thielen for the Vikings tomorrow on Thursday Night Football. Listen to Score North with Amazon Alexa. Just say, Alexa, open Score North, and you'll hear the soothing sounds of Purple Daily, Mackie and Jodeth Rami, and more. Just say, Alexa, open Score North. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Mackie and Jodeth Rami. Hold on. Well, we, it, looks, it sounds like we have major breaking news in the NFL. Rami has, has found some major breaking news. <laughs> what is it, Rami? Rami's telling us during the break, he's like, oh, my God. I shared, I shared this with you guys in confidence NFL during Network? the break that I, I got had by a fake Ian Rappaport. <laughs> no. yeah. Oh, come I on. It never happened Dude. to me. Yeah, I know. That's embarrassing. You're doing this in the segment that we're about to read the things that people like least about our show, uh, and you start the segment by getting had by Ian so, Rappaport. Somebody who what, what's changed, the name? changed their the name to the name Ian Rappaport, great. but the handle is <laughs> at sexy troop lover. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? Oh, no, you heard it right. (laughs) That didn't immediately... The name is Ian Rappaport, and they used the same exact picture that he uses for his account. Are they they verified? So, at Sexy Troop Lover... uh, (laughs) Who's to say he couldn't know stuff, huh? He he or she is reporting that there is now more to the Patriots' Josh Gordon story being reported. He was placed on IR, by the way, today. Uh, Sources say Bill Belichick caught Gordon with a bag of marijuana and a marijuana syringe in his locker. This prompted 
expected the team to put Gordon on IR, then release him. Wow. And I responded, a syringe? At the risk of sounding like your parents. Is that a thing? I don't think that's a thing. Pretty sure that's not So a- you were about to call call out an account that was a fake tweet. Rami, Rami, Rami. I know. Rami. What was the, what was the handle good. on that Twitter account again? The sexy troop okay. lover. All right, okay. let's get to this. I'm so excited for this. All right. Let's go. Let's go. All right. What so, people like? All right, so here, just let me let me set this up by saying that uh, we, we do have a legitimate Maggie and Jeb with Rami listener survey that we would love for anyone who's listening, whether you love us or hate us, we would love you to go to scorenorth.com, S-K-O-R north.com, keyword M-J-R. Just type in the keyword M-J-R. It'll take you to uh, the survey page, and you can fill out oh my God. just a few questions about the show to help, A, make it better, <laughs> help us better cater the advertising to things that you guys actually care about. And one of the questions in the survey is, what is your least favorite part about the show? Can I just throw this in real quick? Sure. So apparently this isn't sexy troop lovers' first foray into making fake Twitter <laughs> accounts and putting out news. AJ tells me he takes pride in getting screenshots from blue check marks. This won't die. Oh, no. <laughs> Good job, buddy. I just gave him a trophy. I just gave Sexy Troop Lover a trophy. Congratulations. Nice job, Rob. Damn it. Nice job. Oh, man. I'm sorry. Carry on. So we asked our audience, and again, if you want to fill out this survey, it, it it will help our show, but it also, like, we will totally read these on the show. So if you have gripes about the show, we will totally read them, and uh, we will we will flush this out. Scorenorth.com, keyword MJR. I'm just going to go through these, all right? Jonathan, can you fire up some proper music here? How about some NFL films music for this? Yeah, we can do this. All right? Rami, you asked how many people are sick of your laugh. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm just going to read a couple here about Rami. One person says, and these are all anonymous, Rami can tend to be a bit obnoxious. <laughs> although, although I admit he's starting to warm on me the more I listen. <laughs> Somebody else said, uh, my least favorite part of the show is when Rami and Judd laugh. <laughs> Judd? Apparently, I have a great laugh. I don't know. I don't know what that means. Or an average laugh. Do I laugh that much? I didn't know I laughed that much. You're, I'll, you're I'll stop. No problem about it. Uh, what's the least favorite part about the Mackie and Judd with Rami show? The fact that Derek Wetmore still has not watched Major League. Fair enough. That's not our That's fault. That's fair. Okay. Also not our fault. Right. I, I agree with that, by I'm the not way. You can't blame us for that. No, you can't. Now they get better. Here's someone that says, I think producer Jonathan needs to tone back the corrupt judge bit in cram session (laughs) as there's no real investment in actually listening to the answers given because most of the time Jonathan has made up his mind before the questions were even asked. I didn't know you guys were taking the survey. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty much how we all feel about it, so I'd say that's good. Uh, All right, let's see. This person says his least favorite part about the show is Rami over-promoting what we're listening to and the show name. (laughs) Come on. I do that a lot. I don't think I do that a lot. I don't think you over-promote. I don't think so. You promote well. Yeah, I'm a good promoter. Yeah, I'd say you promote well. You're an effective promoter. Like a young Don King. Or Ed McMahon. Is that what it is? Hi-oh. <laughs> it's the greatest show in the history of all shows. Well, that's a good segue because this person says the only thing he doesn't like about the show is when Judd tries to be funny. <laughs> that's not on purpose. And the next person says, my least favorite part about the show is when Mackie talks about The Bachelor, which, by the way, bleep you. That's going to keep happening. <laughs> Did you watch Bachelor in Paradise? All summer? 
all summer, baby. And Every episode. And we Two got no hour episodes, four hours a yeah, week. Yeah, we never heard anything about it. Well, do you, would you like an update? Sure, yeah. Is it still going? Keep no, bringing the answers. Do you have more <laughs> answers? I want to hear more answers. And yes, I'm trying to be funny. I'm not even sure the point of Bachelor in Paradise. Like, is there a winner at the end? Or is it just... Yeah, there, there, there's couples that fall in love. It's Do it's, they really... Uh, couples that hook up for a few weeks on the beach. <laughs> yeah, okay. Are you guys trying to get out of hearing more responses? I'm really enjoying right. these responses. Right. The next person says, once again, this is this is scorenorth.com, keyword MJR, if you want to fill out this survey. And you can actually help the show by filling out this survey. But one of the one of the question boxes is, what's your least favorite part about the Mackie and Jeff with Rami show? And this person says, the random non sequitur audio drops? Easy. That's the funnest part. We, oh, that Jonathan does? The Rock knows how you feel about pie. What do you mean? No, no, I mean, we don't do that, right? We don't do random drops. Any time of the day is a good time for pie. Do we? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Hey, that wasn't random. That was a whole thing we had going yesterday. <laughs> All right, we'll, uh, we'll work on that. We're sorry. Probably won't. Okay, here's one that says <laughs> blatant avoidance of politics and controversies of the day. When something needs to be said, it should be said and not swept under the rug. Speak up, Rami, specifically. Rami? This person Wait, wants Rami what? to speak more openly on the show about politics and controversies what, what, of the day. Do they know the format? They understand Minnesota sports. I mean, I've covered the China thing extensively on Score North Live weekdays, noon to two. By the way, right here on Score North, the Rock the knows Score North mobile app. <laughs> Does the world really need another political show? <laughs> the problem is when we dive. You know, there's certain subjects, and Judd and I have found this out throughout the years. When you dive into something that, and a lot, there's a lot of sports topics that that overlap political and overlap social. I feel like there's a lot of no win in there. You guys come to us to listen to us banter about sports and random BS. And if we start to go too hardcore into politics, I just feel like we're going to split the room in half, and that's not what we're looking to do. So, yeah. I mean, I'm okay doing it. I'm okay not doing it either way. Like yeah. I said, though, I covered China and the NBA extensively. Yeah, you actually did. On Score North Live. Noon to 2. Noon to Anywhere. 2. You find podcasts. scorenorth.com. What show, though? It's uh, Score North Live, Judd. So it's me hosting every day with a rotating panel of Score North personalities, including yourself. It's you, cast of characters? You're in there every Monday at noon. Yes, so there's sir. a clown? Uh, there's a clown in every Monday at uh-uh. noon. Hey, it's funny there. It's funny here. Do you guys have an app? Uh, we do have an app. It's the Score North mobile app. It's totally free. It's oh, available sweet, for sweet. Apple and Android. Ed McMahon, I told you. <laughs> Be appearing at the Sands, Tahoe. The next person says, I don't, I don't like how Rami still doesn't understand why Minnesota sports fans are the way that we are. No, but I, I get But it. I get the feeling that it's more of a worked angle, like a heel in wrestling, and if so, just keep it up. I get it. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> so he doesn't like it, but he's... Just keep it up. Though. But just keep it up? Yeah. If, you're not, if you're not being sincere, if you're being... As long as I'm not being sincere, keep it up. Wow. Keep doing that thing. And then this person says, uh, you guys go overboard on the Kirk Cousins takes. During the Viking season, it feels like 95% of the content is Vikings. Pump the brakes. So those are your those are those are the ones I grabbed. Those are the main complaints about Mackie and Jeb with Ron. Care to to inform that person what the uh, statistics are as far as Vikings fans yeah, in this people, town like, go? People want to hear Viking stuff. <laughs> I mean, it's like, yeah, you don't talk Vikings and it's, football just makes for like more and better storylines. And quarterbacks are the greatest ever. Yeah, exactly. But coming up next, we debate the right guard. What do you think about the right guard? Football. Yeah.
And a bunch of you just filled out. I see that there's been a bunch that were submitted during the segment. So we'll, <laughs> actually, here's what we'll do. Let's make this. Little, we will read these on the daily as much as we can. We're gonna we're gonna run this survey through the end of the month, and like it's it's a fun exercise for us, but it's also super helpful because we get to learn more about you as listeners, how you discovered the show, what you like. By the way, overwhelmingly on the what do you like most about the show, people love write that down. I think people just love that we make ridiculously dumb predictions in retrospect and all that 250. I don't know. So, uh, so thank you guys. But answer to them also. We also answer for them. We, we do. don't just throw our predictions out into the... Last time I used the wrong word. Ether? Ether. Ether. I said ethos last time. We don't just throw a prediction out yeah. into the ether and it floats away and we never think about it into again. The, into the ethernet? Ethernet. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. I'm not a smart person. <laughs> But that's, that's an that's act, Rami. and it's funny. But if it was an act, it wouldn't be funny. Got yeah. that? Is that one of the complaints? Rami's not a smart person. Just stop laughing, okay? <laughs> Mackie and Jeff with Rami, Score North, and the aforementioned oh. Score North app. We'll do a couple things when we come back here. We're going to check in in about 15 minutes with our Wolves guy, Danny Cunningham, here. Tip off in, what, an hour? Wolves are going to tip off their season here uh, shortly. But we got to come back to this Adrian Peterson thing. So many people reacting to what Alex Boone said on Purple Daily yesterday about Adrian Peterson being a bad teammate, and I think it's worth just kind of revisiting and uh, recalibrating that whole thing. Mackie and Jeb with Rami. Yeah. No. Bang, bang. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. I'm going to say something, and I'm probably going to take a lot of heat for it, but I won't hear about it because I don't have a Twitter. Thank God you do. (laughs) But Adrian Peterson, to me, was the definition of why you shouldn't meet your heroes, ever. And and I'm a firm believer of that because after I met Adrian, I was so disappointed. Yeah, that was Alex Boone yesterday on Purple Daily, if you missed it. And you can find the full interview, the full conversation. Uh, Well, He's on Purple Daily every Tuesday and Thursday, anywhere you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Score North app. And so... That gets sent out. Bleacher Report picked it up. Uh, I think a couple other publications have picked it up. Uh, we've got an audio clip circulating around the Score North social media accounts on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. That's I want to say it's at like 75,000 views. And it's the feedback on it is 90% Vikings fans standing up for Adrian Peterson and saying that Alex Boone lacks credibility because he was bad as a Viking. And I just want, I just, just to revisit this, and we're going to talk Wolves with Danny Cunningham here in a few minutes. That's the one thing that bothers me. The people, you can disagree with him. You can love Adrian Peterson. I know Brandon Fusco jumped into the thread and he stood up for Adrian Peterson. And I think a couple others have. And Adam Thielen had some good things to say, but I just don't like it when people say, well, Alex Boone doesn't have any credibility because he's, he was a loud mouth when he was here. And they cut his ass, right? Well, Alex Boone played 10 years in the NFL and was a starting offensive lineman in a Super Bowl. Okay, like he's been around the block. He's got credibility, and he shared his opinion and his experience. It wasn't like he lined up a hot take and said, all right, I'm going to say this to get attention. He spoke the truth, which is what we should want from guys who are in locker rooms. You can disagree with it, but I just don't like that people are challenging Alex Boone's credibility in this. He's also talking about one year, 2016. And that year was a mess. And Peterson was po- post-child abuse allegations and that entire thing with his son and the switch in 2000, 2014, which was Mike's first year here. Peterson changed completely. And 
I said today on a vent line that to me, Adrian Peterson's career is summed up in three chapters. And chapter one was magnificent. From 2007 to 2013, he rushed for more than 1,000 yards, six of those seven years. The only year he didn't was 2011 when he played in uh, 12 games and on Christmas Eve tore his knee up, shredded it. 2012, guys, he comes back and rushes for 2,097 yards. Incredible. So through 2013, if I guarantee you, if Boone had, had been here for f- three years of Chapter 1, he's going to say, well, he had some faults, but man, was he fun. Uh, post, but, you know, post uh, 2014, 2015, 2016, he was mad at the team. He didn't forgive them. He couldn't understand why they, they would possibly go away from him. And so Boone saw Boone saw what we all saw, which was the worst of this guy possible. And it was sad. And it was it was if you could script it, it you'd love to go back and say it didn't happen, but it did. But that's what Boone saw. That's what what he talked about. Fusco saw some good years too. And so guess what he said? Something different. And now it's chapter three. And I'll tell you this: it's sad again. He's continuing to play. He shouldn't. He's on a terrible team. Now it's his choice. And he's probably broke, so he needs the paychecks. But all of that being said, Alex Boone accurately, and I saw enough to know this, accurately summed up what 2016 was like there. And it's too bad. It sounds like it was That's a, it. A, a bad situation for everybody involved. And Adrian Peterson is is not immune to that. Like Anybody who finds themselves in a tumultuous, drama-filled workplace is not going to be the best version of themselves and maybe isn't going to be the best teammate in that situation. And when it comes to Fusco and his his uh, his recalling of uh, Adrian Peterson as a teammate, two people can see, can perceive and recall things and describe them back to you in completely different ways. I don't know why that's so hard for people to understand. That doesn't make Alex Boone or Fusco... A liar or make either mean either one of them is trying to mislead us. Two people can be there for the same event or events, perceive them in very different ways and recall them in very different ways when describing them back to people. That's that happens all the time. And if Alex Boone lacks credibility because he wasn't a great football player in his one year with the Vikings, what does that say about anybody who never made it anywhere near the level of football that Alex yeah. Boone played? Yeah, by the but, way, it's not like Brandon Fusco has been lighting it up for his career, too, okay? Like, Brandon Fusco had a couple rough seasons with the Vikings. Does that mean that his opinion of Adrian Peterson when they were in purple together should be thrown out? Well, he wasn't that good. Like, okay, you play 10 years in the NFL, you play in a Super Bowl and you've been around Frank Gore and Adrian Peterson, Yeah, you have a ticket to the conversation. Absolutely. And Peterson was a pain in the ass by then. It was a complete pain. Yeah. 2014, he took a switch to his kid. He physically, there were graphic pictures, and he couldn't understand why he was being persecuted. He couldn't get why he couldn't play football. It's like, do you know what you did? 2015, he shows up. My offense still, right? They're like, no, it's Teddy's now, dude. The court, the, the game's evolved. It's changed. It's quarterbacks now. He, he melted down after game one. They lost. Guess what? It went back to being his because it had to be. 
2016, he went on DJ Ski's radio show and announced, I'm coming back. The Vikings never said that. He said, I'm coming back to play. And he did. And that Colts game is the biggest give-up game I have seen that Mike has ever coached. And nobody, his players didn't give a damn. It was embarrassing. And I've contended to this day that it started with the fact that Peterson was calling the shots. And guys are like, what is going on here? Why? But, Phil, we saw that. Like, none of this is surprising. And the only... Only thing that I think in this conversation is the saddest thing about this, because this guy was so damn good at one time. He's going to Canton, no questions asked. Yeah. Um, the only thing that makes this really sad is if I had approached you, Phil Mackey, in 2010 and said, I'm going to tell you about the end of Peterson's career. He's going to be broke. It's going to go on too long. He's going to be delusional about who, who he is at the end. So he's still good at this time. And he's going to come back here playing for a bad football team. I think you would have said, oh, yeah, I could see that. That's the sad thing about this. It's, it's too not, predictable. It is. It's not super shocking. And, you know, I think, like you said it earlier, there's sort of three phases here. And, hell, I mean, I covered the first phase yeah. at a different radio station. And I remember how hard of a worker he was, how great of a teammate he was, just talking to different people behind the scenes. And things obviously were different by the time. So that's like if you were his teammate early in his career versus if you were his teammate at the end of his Vikings run after he had lost faith in the organization. Those are two completely different experiences with Adrian Peterson. Yeah. And if Adrian Peterson was unhappy, unpleasant, hard to work with in a situation where he had lost faith in his employer and thought his employer lost faith in him, I get that. I honestly get that. That's not the worst indictment against a guy, to be quite honest yeah. with you. So if you want to hear the full thing, again, if you missed it, Alex Boone with Matthew Collar yesterday. And Sage Rosenfels was great on Purple Daily as well, too, giving his experiences with Peterson and uh, just some other stories about teammate relationships maybe gone awry at other stops. That's Purple Daily, 2 to 4 o'clock here on Score North and anywhere you find podcasts. But the Timberwolves tip off their season in less than an hour Danny Cunningham, you can find him not only on Vikings Vent Line with Judd five days a week uh, in the mornings at 11, but he is our Timberwolves guy, Raised by Wolves podcast. Subscribe to it anywhere you find podcasts and written coverage at scorenorth.com. And Danny, what do you make of 538.com with their playoff projections? They have the Timberwolves at 53% to make the playoffs and an eight seed before the season starts. Your thoughts? So you can go a number of different ways with all of these projection sites and the the analytical data-driven models and all that. And if you're going to go with projections, I suggest heading out to the desert and, and looking at what sportsbooks have, win-loss totals at, playoff percentages at. 538 is probably the one that I actually trust the least. And that's, that's solely because they have uh, – I don't think they've done a good job of basketball. And you can talk about the, the 2016 presidential election, too, if you do want to harp on 538. But back in, in 2018, they gave the Cleveland Cavaliers like a 0.1% chance to win the Eastern Conference. And then at the end of May, they won the Eastern Conference. So I, uh, I don't trust 538. It's probably my least favorite of the data-driven models. Danny, I... Phil is super excited about this Wolves season. Like to, he said, it's top four most excited he's ever been about a Wolves season. No, I said in my life about anything. About, <laughs> about the top four. No, 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 it was just Wolves. It was just just Wolves. the guy about to get married. So <laughs> I was just going to say, where is the engagement in that? We should, we should clarify where the engagement is in that. But no, it's just Wolves. Just top four Wolves seasons. 
I said there have to be some some expectations to go along with that, and I'm really just looking at a few players on the court and in their box score and at their shot charts afterwards. Who are the guys in your mind that their performance actually matters this year and they might be part of this plan long-term for the Wolves? Well, I mean, I think the most exciting one to look at is Jared Culver. Now, Carl Anthony Towns sounds like the, the name that I should have said there, but we kind of know what Carl is. And I do expect Carl to, to take another step, but he's already been an all-star multiple times. He's already been on an all-NBA team. We already know Carl is really good. If Jared Culver can become really good, it changes the trajectory of this franchise. So watching him each and every night and grow it as rookies do, he's going to be up and down this season just about as almost every rookie in the history of basketball has been. So it's going to be a process with him. But if he can be someone that can show that he's a starter, that he's a future all-star, that he could be a cornerstone of a franchise, this process becomes more fun. And then the other one is, can they get more out of Andrew Wiggins? Not only because it could help the Wolves now, but it could make him a more tradable asset in the future. So I would go with those two guys as guys to really keep an eye on, but that's because we know what Carl is. And I, I think that Culver is someone that it's easy to be excited about. And I think that Wolves fans should really keep an eye on him for all of the season. Who in your mind has the potential at least to uh, surprise the most, do you think, Danny Cunningham? I think the biggest surprise in a good way is going to be Shabazz Napier. He's a point guard. He's going to be the backup to Jeff Teague, who I I do think Jeff Teague is going to have a solid season as well. But I think Shabazz Napier has been in situations that have been similar to this one in in Portland, kind of at the start of their run in Brooklyn last year when they were not expected to do much and really turned a lot of heads, made the playoffs, and were outed in the first round by the Philadelphia 76ers. But I think that Napier is going to fit in really well to this system. He's going to love to be able to push the the pace. He's a very high IQ basketball player. I think he's someone that's going to turn a lot of heads this year. And he could be someone that gets flipped at the trade deadline because he's playing so well and the Wolves might not be in contention. He could get a draft asset back. Or he could be playing well enough that the Wolves view him as part of their future in one way or another. Hey, back to Jarrett Culver for just a second. If he starts to reach his max potential, and I'm not saying that's going to happen this year, but if he's if he starts down that path, is there a fair player comp or two that you think, all right, if if if, if he maxes out, this is kind of the type of player that he could become? I, I, I don't know that there's a specific player comp because it's tough to put that type of thing on a guy that's 20 years old. But I think that if he maxes out, he's a guy that's a perennial all-star. He's someone that could be the second or third or, or, I mean, and it depends on injuries and everything and projecting the draft class, but he could be a a top guy in this draft class that the Wolves just picked from in in June. So I do think that he's going to be a tremendous player. It's hard for me to put a a sum on someone that he looks exactly like, but I do think that if he reaches his his potential, he could be a perennial Western Conference All-Star. But he's like, I mean, but in, in, let's take specific names out of the mix. If he reaches his peak, he's just the energizer bunny on the court, and he's stat stuffing, rebounds, assists, and getting to the rim. I mean, is that is that fair? Yeah, and if he reaches his peak, it also means that he's become a better shooter than he currently is, because that's the the part of his game I think that is the least ready for the NBA. So if he figures out his three point shot better than he has in the future or in the past in the future, then I do think that we're looking at a guy that could be an all-NBA type guy. We could be looking at someone that that follows a a Paul George type trajectory here. That's something that we could be looking at. I'm not saying he's going to turn into Paul George, but if he can shoot that well, 
it's not a stretch to think that that could be the case. I feel like a forgotten guy this offseason in terms of the guys they brought in was is Jordan Bell. I think he could play a significant role for this team this season. Danny, what do you think? I think it's going to be very interesting what types of lineups they employ him in because he's too small to be a, a true backup center. He's kind of an in-between guy. I do like his positional flexibility defensively, um, but against traditional centers, he's going to struggle on that end of the floor. It's going to be curious how they use him offensively. He's going to be asked to do more at that end of the floor than he ever was in Golden State because his job in Golden State with the Warriors was, hey, we've got three future Hall of Famers that are unbelievable offensive players. Make sure they take all the shots. Here, the Wolves don't exactly have that situation, so his role is going to be much different. I'm really curious to see what that looks like. I'm also curious how he's going to slot in rotationally because I do think that just because of size, Noah Vonley might get more of the true backup center minutes. I do think that he'll be paired some with Cat, some with Vonley, and I'm really interested to see how it plays out. Western Conference team that's going to surprise people and a Western Conference team that's going to blow up in not in a bad way. Uh, blow up in a bad way. I Well... I don't know. There's not expectations for Oklahoma City, but I think that Oklahoma City is going to trade as many pieces away as they can and try and try and tank for the future and be bad. Like I would expect Daniel Gallinari, who's in a contract year, to be traded away before the deadline. If they can move off of Chris Paul, I would expect them to move off of Chris Paul. I think that they they have a solid roster, but they it's a roster that they should blow up. And then a team that no one really talks about too much is is. There's two because so much of the attention in the West has been on the two L.A. teams. You can look at the Lakers and the Clippers, and they both won the offseason because the Clippers got Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. The Lakers got Anthony Davis. But I do think we're forgetting a little bit about the Houston Rockets. They've got the guy that's led the NBA in scoring the past three years. They've got the, the team that pushed the Warriors to the brink when they were healthy in 2017 – and they got better, I think, because they traded an aging Chris Paul for a Russell Westbrook, who admittedly is not the same guy he once was, but someone that I do think is going to be a terrific, a terrific fit with Carl Anthony Towns, or with uh, James Harden, excuse me. And I think that they're going to win a lot of games. I would not be the least bit surprised if the Houston Rockets are the number one seed in the West. And then I, I don't think that we necessarily talk about in, in terms of mainstream NBA fans. I know it's it's kind of a niche team right now, but the Utah Jazz are going to be really good. I love what they did this offseason, adding Mike Conley. I think that that's going to help Donovan Mitchell um, expand his game even more, that he's going to be asked to do a little bit less. I think he'll be better. So I think that those are two of the teams that, that could finish in the top four in the West. All right, Danny Cunningham, before we let you go, what is your hottest NBA take for the season? Um, I mean, I predicted the Philadelphia 76ers to beat the Clippers in six games in the finals. After last night watching that Clippers team, even without Paul George, I don't know how, how strong I feel about that anymore. Um, but that Clippers team looked, looked absolutely terrifying with what they can do defensively. Um, and so I, and I did pick Philadelphia to win the most games in the NBA. So I guess if you want a scorching hot take, I can say that, uh, old friend Jimmy Butler in the Miami Heat get the three seed in the East. Wow. Whoa. I love how you're also like already bailing on your Clippers you, take. Yeah, after are one you game, ba- it's one game, Cunningham. <laughs> Stand by your convictions. Are, I mean, I, I'm not bailing on the take. I picked them to win the West. I think that they are, uh, they're incredibly deep, and so I haven't seen Philadelphia play. They play at, at the same time as the Wolves tonight on ESPN against Boston. 
But I think that when that team is going to add Paul George, it's it's unbelievable just how deep they are and how how terrifying they're going to be defensively. So that's I, I was incredibly impressed with them last night. Multiple TVs, dude. No excuse for her. You can't tell me you can only watch one game. You're Mr. Hoops. Oh, I'm not telling you that. Yo, you I'm better be watching the Sixers. Be watch- you got to report to me tomorrow. Tell me what's going on. I will be watching both games. I'm just saying I haven't been able to watch them yet. Oh, okay. I got you. I, I, I've, I've got multiple TVs. I've got this setup. Here. Okay, Don't good. Don't you worry All about right. that. The, the games will be consumed. We need consumption. You can uh, you can find yeah. Danny's written wolves coverage at scorenorth.com and raised by wolves multiple days a week. Uh, Manny Hill, Dane Moore, also a part of that, and uh, and you can find that anywhere you find podcasts. All right, Danny, we'll see you tomorrow for Ventline. See you, Danny. Sounds good. Boom. Just bailing on that Clippers tag. I was trying to be funny there. That's all I was doing. Yeah. By the way, there's Does been, that work. There's been a bunch more people, uh, kinda. <laughs> A bunch more people have filled out the survey. Okay, I love it. I can't wait to hear them. We ask you to fill out the survey, please, if you're listening. Yeah, and you want, yeah. you want to help the show and you want to help provide content for the show, we will read your negative feedback comments on the show. And then do exactly the things that you tell us yeah. you hate. <laughs> yes. It's scorenorth.com. Horse walks in a bar. You know what the bartender said? What a long face. Wow. Just, uh, no. You know what? They were right. You shouldn't try to Duck walks funny. into a pharmacy. No. Okay, never mind. No. I'm cutting Judd's mic. Please leave. Oh, I can't cut my mic. I got yeah, He's got to talk to Josh Arnold. Scorenorth.com and go to, just type in the keyword MJR. Please fill out the survey. Right, midweek, mid show. Time to take a break from all that hard hitting sports talk we do here at Score North and stop doing all the things you hate us doing and bring you a little bit of the weird and wacky news from around the world, including uh, the world of science. I don't know if this is funny or if this is just awesome. Scientists have trained rats to drive tiny cars to collect food. How cool is that? Like like Stuart Little? Rats have mastered the art of driving a tiny car, (laughs) suggesting that their brains are more flexible than we thought. The funding could be used to understand how learning new skills relieve stress and how neurological and psychiatric conditions affect mental capabilities. We've known that rodents can learn to recognize objects, press bars, buttons, etc., find their way around mazes. These tests are often used to study how brain conditions affect cognitive function, but they only capture a narrow window of animal cognition, says Kelly Lambert at the University of Richmond in Virginia. By the way, there's video in this story of a mouse driving a car. I swear to you, you I will turn it around Can and show it? you. Hang on one sec. I got to unplug. Oh, that's fine. See this? Oh my gosh. So there's Do the cars have little airbags? It's made out I of Tupperware. So. It's a little Tupperware well, with wheels on it. So there's no uh, seatbelt? No, no seatbelt. Oh, oh my gosh. I so, mean, what do we care? So they get in. They get in. Is there a gas pedal? I'm about to explain to you how they do this. <laughs> okay, that is simply put. Isn't awesome. that awesome? Yes, the, it ma- is. the rat just drove right to the uh, the Fruit Loop is is what they reward them with, which great reward, by the way. C- could they use could they use these for like crash tests of uh, just like little 
little mini versions of the car. <laughs> Wait, hold on a second. They got families. No. What are you trying to do? <laughs> so they constructed a tiny car out of a clear plastic food container Dad on doesn't wheels. Come home, Dad. You know, it's terrible. It has an aluminum floor and three copper bars functioning as a steering wheel. When the rat stood on the aluminum floor and gripped the copper bars with their paws, they completed an electrical circuit that propelled the car forward. Amazing. Touching the left, center, or right bar steered the car in different directions. Six female and 11 male rats were trained to drive the car in rectangular arenas up to four square meters in size. They were rewarded with Fruit Loop cereal pieces when they touched the steering bars wow. and drove the car forward. This explains so much about my frustration on 394 sometimes. <laughs> I didn't realize that there were just rats driving around. Are there cop cars, too? Like, if they speed? <laughs> this is crazy. Have you been drinking, Mr. Rat? This is awesome. Can you step out of your vehicle? How much cheese have you had? Oh, just a couple of blocks. <laughs> just, a, I don't know, just, a, just, a, just a little pepper jack. Just for, for dinner. It's just a block, I swear. <laughs> In other news, this is from TMZ. <laughs> It's, it's, I know this is uh, technically a break from the hard-hitting sports news. This is sort of a sports story, but not really. John Smoltz has an incredible Georgia estate that was just put up for sale for $5.2 million. Here are the things that are in John Smoltz's house, however, or outside of it. He has a complete baseball field, basketball court, football field, golf course, and a pool at his house. John Smoltz. John Smoltz has a 19-acre property and a huge mansion to go along with it, by the way. That's but you're only allowed to play those sports on those courts and fields the old-school way. I was going to say, <laughs> I used to play the whole time on John Smoltz's property. <laughs> Don't you dare talk about launch angle on his baseball field. You better hit behind the runners <laughs> from second and third base. So the, the, the mansion itself is 10 bedrooms and 10 bathrooms, and there's a lot of gold-plated things. He also has a man cave. Uh, a gentleman's study, and a movie theater area. But the fact that this guy has 19 acres and a baseball field, a basketball court, a football field, a golf course, and a pool is pretty amazing. I, f- I feel like on paper this sounds amazing. Oh, it wouldn't be great to have all these things, but like, where are you going to find 18 people to come play baseball on your field? Right. Like, how often does he use the baseball field? That's a lot of keep up and maintenance and work. I know he's not doing it, but you're paying people and it's for not that. domed. And you're always so noticing things. Right. He probably doesn't no have a retractable roof over yeah, all these idiot. fields and pools. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's kind of weird, though. Like, would you guys, have any of those things, field? would you, if somebody else maintained all of Go those things for you? Baseball field? No. Basketball court? Yes. Or football field. The golf course, I would totally, like, that's a different category. If I could have someone just just mowing like the golf a real course, it would be amazing. Like a 100-yard football field? Yes. Regulation? Why? No, What's I wouldn't do that. Isn't that weird? I might. I'm, I, I might. A football field? field? Yeah, maybe. Why? Like, really? why? Just so you can double doing? Have a pickup football game. Whoa. You know what, Jonathan? <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Jonathan, sneaky but good. Oh, double doink. In other news. I'm here for this type of abuse. No, what I'm here for. Dude, you're abused daily on the show. I know. <clears throat> By my producer. A He's man, supposed to be making us look good. A, a man in Brazil turned part of his backyard upside down in a misguided attempt to kill some bugs. Quote, my wife complained that there were a lot of roaches invading our garden. Caesar Schmitz told Focus on News, according to the New York Post. She has scared them and begged me to destroy their nest under the ground once and for all. So Caesar got very creative here. He decided to pour some gasoline into the hole and then started tossing matches into said hole. Oh, no. 
Nothing happened at first. But after a couple of false starts, well, like Rami did, I'll turn my computer around and show you guys his backyard. His amazing. backyard completely blowing up. His backyard, after he tossed the matches in, blew up. Wow. It's not a very it, big it, backyard. It literally oh exploded. The worst part was you can see in the final frame some of the cockroaches running away. He okay. didn't even kill them all. Can I say that this is totally something that could happen to Judd? <laughs> yes. You know what? No. No, that's... Okay, I give you that, except I'm too afraid of matches and gasoline. Keep in mind, I do not even light my own grill. Yeah. Dawn his wife, lights His it. wife does all the grilling. Dawn you don't even go near it. Dawn no, takes right? off for the weekend and says, Judd, listen, we have a bug problem in nope. the backyard. I'm not back until Sunday. You need to fix it. No, nope, no, nope, I am not. No, seriously, gasoline and matches, I am very scared. No. So I wouldn't do that. Now, if I wasn't scared, I probably would do something like stupid like that. It's pretty amazing. But no, I won't go near the propane tank. Don't like that thing at all. In other news. I'll go pick it up, but that's it. An hours-long police chase ensued in the Bavarian town of Sand Am, Maine, with authorities deploying several police cars and a helicopter equipped with thermal camera. Local volunteer firefighters were also asked to assist in boxing in a runaway cow, the 600-kilogram bovine was tracked down four hours after its owner noticed it had fled its nearby farm on Saturday evening. It may sound funny initially, but it was a very dangerous deployment. Police ca- Commander Andreas Winksler was quoted as saying by the local... Uh, I don't know, word I'm not going to try to pronounce news outlet. (laughs) Initially, the owner said two cows had escaped from his enclosure, but but he soon managed to catch one of them with help from authorities. The other one was located near a supermarket, but then took off again toward the center of the town. Maybe he was just trying to cut out the middleman. The animal trampled through a greenhouse and a camping ground, prompting police to warn residents to move out of the way. The spooked animal also destroyed a scooter, and damaged a police car. The farmer who tried to calm the animal down was also attacked and knocked down by the cow, but sustained no serious injury. Eventually, a police helicopter discovered the animal in a dead-end alleyway. Police and the volunteer fire department used their vehicles to cut off its retreat, and a veterinarian used a blowpipe to shoot the animal with a tranquilizer dart. I didn't know cows got aggressive. Did they kill it? I mean, I guess it's... No, tranquilizer dart. He went back to the farm. Okay. I mean, and not later like... On, he probably became a dinner anyway. Not so, like yeah. the farm. Like where, you know, you... <laughs> the crazy part. He, he went back to an actual, an actual farm. <laughs> Put after the cow was... in a straitjacket. <laughs> in other news... <laughs> he was aggressive. All right. This is from the register.co.uk. Japanese hotel chain HIS Group has apologized for ignoring warnings that its in-room robots were hackable to allow people to remotely view video footage from the devices. Whoa. So apparently this hotel chain has these robot-looking things, and I'm going to turn it to you. It's like a, It looks almost like a human, and they've got these... Oh, it's, that's, it's like oh a, that's, that's terrifying. Yeah, that's, that's in your room. And they I are... I don't like that. They, and I'll just keep reading no, the story here. I'm shutting that off. The Henna Hotel is staffed by robots. Guests can be checked in by humanoid or dinosaur reception bots before proceeding to their room. Facial recognition I mean, tech, a dinosaur checking me in is pretty cool. Well, that'd be pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. You're yeah. so easy. I'm sorry. That's cool. You are so easy. So uh, facial recognition technology will allow customers into their room, and then a bedside robot will assist with other requirements. That sounds 
Odd. What? Uh, however, several <laughs> weeks ago, a security researcher revealed on Twitter that he had his, that he had warned HIS Group in July about the bed bots being easily accessible, noting they sported quote unsigned code allowing a user to tap into the back of the robot's head and allow access via the streaming app of their choice to see what's happening in the room. <laughs> Whoa. So, ha- so hackers, not surprised hackers yeah. are tapping into these robots so that they can are see in what's the room going, so they, and they can like watch what's happening in the room. Can they record through that device? Because that would be my next record, question. But. So hold on a second. Go back to the part where you said that there's a bedside thing. It's about three graphs ago. What's it's that? Bedside robot. It's a bedside robot that helps with uh, any requirements you might need. No, that's what I was asking about. That. I'm sorry. I, I meant where Jonathan and I both said, well, was the requirements you might need? Well, what, what requirements would you guys need when you check into a hotel room? I don't alone? need any. Yeah, I was going to say, I need to know where the remote is. And that's why I usually ask Dawn if I'm with need, her. Do you know where the remote is, honey? She's like, yeah, I it's need over you to stay idiot. out of my room is what I need. <laughs> yeah. You don't need your pillow I fluffed? Need the, I no. need there not to be a creepy robot staring yeah. at me yeah. when I wake up. That's what I need. <laughs> nothing needs to be fluffed. That's priority number one. <laughs> I'm, hap- oh. I'm happy with nothing fluffed. Okay. Okay, okay. for my job. <laughs> We're going to wrap with Royce when we come back here. I'm very happy. Maggie and Chuck with Rami. I was trying to be funny again. Darn it. Sorry. I'd like to apologize. Man. Over on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard, you can find a place my family and I have been going for 30 plus years. Speaking of great service, uh, I, I know they have humans, great humans who work at Luther Brookdale Toyota. They have not replaced those humans with creepy robots that you can hack. But if you did hack into a robot and you were to spy on the people at Luther Brookdale Toyota, you would see them treating customers with the utmost respect. You would see them befriending customers and building relationships for five years, 10 years, 30 plus years, like in the case uh, with my family. And you would just see one of the most state-of-the-art facilities you're going to find anywhere in the Twin Cities and some of the most durable vehicles you're going to find anywhere in the world. Again, it's the corner of 694 Brooklyn Boulevard, and they are open until 9 o'clock tonight if you want to test drive one of these brand new 2020 models and see the new technology and safety features or snoop around the website lutherbrookdaletoyota.com. Mackie and Judd with Robbie. All right, Judd's going to take over the Scornark download, which for right now, in this moment, this is really exciting. we're converting to a wild minute. Oh boy, this is exciting. Judd Zilgad, you, before we wrap with Royce, get 60 seconds on the clock. Okay. Just say whatever you want about the Minnesota Wild with a big win last night. Three goals early. They coast to a victory. Yep. Here is the Wild Minute with Judd Zilgad. Well, thank you so much, Phil Mackey. Eric Stahl, two goals last night. You know what? First two goals of the season for Eric Stahl. I actually felt good for him because Eric Stahl, I said this a few times on, on the air before, I, I felt bad for the guy. He looked old. He looked washed up. Two goals last night, though. Uh, Jordan Greenway assisted on the first two goals. Unfortunately, he suffered what appeared to me, to my eyes, and they I, and the team has not identified this yet, uh, gentlemen, as uh, Jordan Greenway appeared to suffer an upper body injury. But the team announced today the good news is, as part of this segment, he will be traveling to Nashville for tomorrow night's tilt against the Predators. The bad news? Devin Dubnik, unfortunately, the wild starting goaltender after making nine saves, removed early in the second period after being upended by teammate Ryan Donato. The team only saying that it is a, I believe it's an upper body injury, injury what could that mean could it mean a concussion could it mean something wrong with Dubnik's shoulder he will will not be making the trip the uh the team actually did recall on an emergency basis a, a goaltender today from iowa and if you'd like uh, to give me two seconds i can try to pronounce his name koppel kakinen and no i did Easy. not slip up whoa koppel kakinen the dump button for that no because it's his name 
has been sure. recalled for tomorrow night's game. Alex Daylock will start. That's your wild minute for this. Wednesday. They're not doing a very good job of tanking. Okay, you're not supposed to not- win games <laughs> like that. I no, tell me about right. it. Right. Oilers disappointed right. me. Hi, Patrick. How are you? Another Finlander, huh? Kakinen is going to be another Finlander. See, he can say it, I can say it. Yes, yes, I think it is. Yeah, yeah I really trust uh, Pat another. to say a name correctly. And <laughs> well, I've told you guys the story. My first night on the desk at the Duluth, the News Tribune, a uh, hundred years ago, the, the uh, ESCO called in their box score from a basketball game in January, and that was a Finlander town. I had no, no uh idea how to spell any of these names the finland you know they got the double e and then they yes. got the double n's and the whole thing so it was uh it was very it's very difficult the finlander names i'm still happy they got rid of niederreiter though i never spelled that correctly once <laughs> so it's yeah, easy, easy that nino easy to say yeah, but hard, hard to spell well, one in one instance, he had the E before the I, and the other one had the I before the E, and then he had the double T instead, or double R instead of double T, and something like that. I don't know. <laughs> Anyhow, yeah, what the hell? They won two in a row at home. Maybe they were just rotten because they were on the road the whole season to start, right? Mm, maybe they're going to be a home juggernaut. Maybe not. But I, th- I, I got to tell you, I wasn't uh, fixated on that game. I was watching a fine World Series game, and I think baseball is. Uh, Stupefied me into surrender. I didn't even affect. I was just happy it didn't last four hours. I was, you know, three forty-three. Okay, that isn't bad. It was a hell of a game. You didn't tweet once about it. You didn't tweet once about, as far as I saw, length of game. I was very disappointed. I thought you'd be among the people tweeting. uh, I did not not complain about that. Uh, George Springer getting abused today about the uh, not running out of the box uh, on that ball. Did you see the uh, – Rami was probably all over this. The physicist uh, uh, who says that the ball he hit, when you take the launch angle and the uh, velocity or mm-hmm. whatever they call it, exit velocity, was all season long that ball went 391 feet. It went 377 last night. Wow. That's ridiculous. So, so it, it missed the top of the fence by a foot. He, he thought he hit it, that's for sure. But it was a good. I'm glad he did. That was a, that was a good game. But I'm rooting for the Nats. I want to see Washington win a World Series. Yeah. And Pat, here's the beauty of baseball: the Washington Nationals were absolutely dead in their yep. last game against the Brewers. And if not for the Brewers' right fielder screwing up a play, uh, the Brewers beat the Nationals, and we don't we don't have last night. You know, but that's baseball. No. Oh yeah, it is. It's uh and uh you know, you think you have no chance when you're a wild card, but uh this is when Saint Louis won it as a wild card, they beat a bad field. The Tigers uh, were in the in the World Series and played like complete mutts and uh, kinda gave it handed it to the Cardinals that year, but that was that Cardinal team that won eighty two games. They were a wild card, right? Weren't they a wild card? I thought they were. I think so. I, I think I think they won it once as a wild card. So uh, you know, you win it. Of course, in, in the uh, in the sudden death wild card, it's a lot of But uh, go Nats! That's what I say. Have you ever seen a twenty year old as as polished and complete a player as Soto? <laughs> wow, it's something, isn't it? He's not a great outfielder, but who cares? But uh, man, can he? He's he's on the. He's going to be uh, twenty one on Friday. It's uh, you know what what's amazing is that the uh, that Washington when they still had Harper 
was willing to pull the uh, trigger on him and get him up in the middle of last season. That they were, we were able to call him up, and of course, once they called him up, there was no year sending him back down. Man, he's good. Yeah, he's fun to watch. I uh, I think when I saw him against the Twins, I uh, did suggest that we were watching. Unless there's some injuries here, folks, we're watching a Hall of Famer. And uh, it's easy to say when he's not 21 yet, but man, alive is he good. Wolf start, Pat. You need what? Wolf start. Wolf start. They got Brooklyn. You, you taking them? The I've Wolves and the points. I, I've already got them mad at me. I got a uh, I got a note from uh, from their. Uh, from let's just say from the team that uh, they were upset that I suggested Flip was surrounded by coaches that he hadn't hired. I mean, Flip, not Ryan, excuse me. Yeah. I call him Flip all the time. Ryan was surrounded by coaches he didn't hire. Oh, did I'm they sure try to correct you on that? Yes, they, uh, they're, <laughs> they're denying that. But, uh, even though, uh, you know, I don't know if he and that Prigioni had a uh, previous relationship or the guy out in uh, Portland that they brought in. Uh, but anyway, what the heck? I think. I think. Have you guys been monitoring their uh, their uh, PR efforts here? Their new media communications efforts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they connected I me. Think, they connected me with Andrew Wiggins a few weeks ago, and I actually appreciated. Yeah, I that. think they're. I think they're going to be a little more sensitive to uh, the cheap shots we've all been taking at the organization for the last thirty years. <laughs> I think they're going to be. I, I think they're going to be a little more proactive in that area instead of just being. Uh, Water off the proverbial duck's back as it's been all these years. So they're going to stand up Which for themselves a, finally after yes, all these years. They're going to stand up for themselves. Of course, when they're twenty-eight and fifty-four, it might be a little hard to stand up. For I don't yourself. know. Five thirty-eight com has them projected at forty-four. Oh, yeah, tell Royce. Tell Royce how we started this show. Fifty-three percent chance to make the playoffs. Tell Patrick, Patrick. how we started this show, Phil Mackey. Yeah. Well, I think I just I, I, I'm excited for the season because I think it's going to be the most unique looking Wolves team. You know, strategically that we've seen. And 538 has them as an 8 seed and a 53% chance to make the playoffs. Interesting. Yeah, well, they also told us Hillary was going to win. So. I love how that's the third time on the show someone's ready. <laughs> I tried to tell you that. <laughs> you know, yeah, they, uh, you know we're, I wish they'd been right that time. But, uh, you know, it's. I, I'm willing to be surprised, but I still think letting Towns play 22 feet from the basket is one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. Because, uh, you know, inside his advantage is quickness. Outside, he's not quicker than anybody. So that's that's just my theory. I think it just allows him to be softer than he already is. Yeah, so that's the thing. Like, I don't I don't have any – I need to see how they play. Like, I, I need to see – I do, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's, here's the, the big problem they have, and they pretty well admit it. They're going to shoot forty threes, and they don't have any shooter. They don't have any lights out shooters. I think one reason Towns is playing out there is he's probably their best three point shooter. He is their best three point shooter. But somebody in this whole group of of who are these guys has got to turn into a poor man's Kyle Korver or something, doesn't it? They got to have a shooter if they're going to shoot forty threes. I mean, if they're trying to win basketball games, yeah. But I think this is just practice and trying to weed out the guys who can't be part of this plan long term. Well, also, you uh, you don't agree with uh, the uh, the five thirty eight? No, no, you I don't. Were just talking to me about their fifty three percent chance to make the playoffs. I was just now telling you. I was just you've telling done, you. What, now, you've done, now you've done a one eighty. What the hell? I was just telling you what five thirty eight said. I didn't say that I agreed <laughs> okay. with it, Pat. Oh, oh Wolf's PR yeah. thinks they've got a great chance. They just called me. <laughs> 
Yeah. Okay. That's good. So, uh, and we we uh, we were on the eve of uh, seeing we, the score north. The highlight of score north's existence was uh, Boone ripping uh, AP. That gave us national news, right? Yeah, and sh- and it, it did. And uh, just real quick for people who haven't heard, I'm going to play the first like 20 seconds of this for people who. Uh, don't know 100% what Pat is talking about. This is Alex Boone on Purple Daily yesterday. I'm going to say something, and I'm probably going to take a lot of heat for it, but I won't hear about it because I don't have a Twitter. Thank God you do. <laughs> but Adrian Peterson, to me, was the definition of why you shouldn't meet your heroes, ever. And, I, and I'm a firm believer of that because after I met Adrian, I was so disappointed. I had played <laughs> with Frank Gore for so long, and I had known Frank and the way he was, and every single day he was going to show up at 5.30 and be there to get work done on his legs and work out and because he knew that if guys saw him there at 5.30 and they didn't see him leave till 9 at night, they would think that they had to be there. And he was so right. And I loved Frank for that because he made a team that was an average team so much better. Adrian was the opposite. Your thoughts? Uh, well, you know, I can I can relate. I, I felt the same way about uh, Sid when I first met him. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was my hero, and then I thought oh, he was kind of a raving lunatic. But that's uh, you know, but but an affable uh, raving lunatic. So yeah, well, and, I, I think the, the, the response has been. Fairly predictably, 90% people just in terms of social media uh, defending gonna... Adrian Peterson and calling Alex Boone a bust free agent signing, etc. By the way, and the same people who were ripping Adrian Peterson. So, uh, you know, it's a, that's a nice thing. It's like, uh, you know, the uh, the people who are now saying, you guys were ripping Kirk Cousins, who were calling in drunk two weeks ago, saying, get rid of that bum. <laughs> <You know. laughs> yep. One thing about uh, one thing about fans is they have no accountability for past opinions, which is fine. I guess that's what makes you a fan. So yeah, and uh, that's why we do write that down on Fridays at five o'clock, right here. Yes, accountability that's true. session. That's yep. true. All right, Pat. We'll talk tomorrow. Uh, see you. Goodbye. All right, Pat Ricey, legend. <laughs> oh, that was great. He was in full form today. That was great. Yeah, I love that you asked him for clarification on how to pronounce a difficult to pronounce name. <laughs> I just wanted to know if Sense he could get sorts. if he could get screwed up worse, so then I, I wouldn't be in trouble just in case I got cocking and wrong. I'm gonna stay very very far away. You from know, that. I could finish because there's more. There's plenty more. Uh, Is there wild things to talk about? I mean, there's more going on. I was about to that guy's sideline. Victor Rask is still sideline. I was about to Kevin attempt Fiala to say that name and IR. stop myself. Thank you, Rob. I appreciate that. <laughs> All I know is right now I am giving the Wild their money's worth with my updates. Okay. What was, that, what was that name again? No, please don't. Oh, the goaltender? Yeah, Dubnik. <laughs> and Stalock's going to start tomorrow. And that is Rami Makalov, your Wild Minute. You can find Mackie and Joe with Rami in podcast form on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere you find your favorite podcast. I'm being funny, by the way. The I was sco- just being funny. The Score North app Don't is also a great free place to get Don't them. Don't be funny, John. World Series Game 2. Don't Pre-game starts in just a few minutes. No fun! Takes guts and balls.